This is Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 671. And the quote of the day is, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Rafini here, episode 671, and I hope all is well with you. I'm beyond ecstatic. My Philadelphia Phillies are headed to the World Series, so has nothing to do with drumming, but uh, I got to be honest, I'm pretty pumped about it, so uh, in a great mood. Over this weekend, I was uh, going down a rabbit hole like I do a lot of times, and I was watching all this Thomas Pridgen stuff, and I was thinking about the episode that I did with him all the way back in January 18th of 2016, so a long time ago. And uh, so I went back and started listening to it, and there's just, I mean, Thomas is, is such a character, but there's so much great information in there, really about just like, about being yourself and how, uh, you know, how the world always tries to like push us one way or another or, or, you know, put us in a box or define what we do. And he's really great about just being himself and, and he's unapologetically him, which I really love and is playing. It speaks for himself. But at the same time, when you listen to someone like Thomas play, you know that it's him. He has a unique style. He's not mimicking other people. He's not out there trying to sound like other people. So I was thinking, you know, the last time uh, this was released, like I said, was January of 2016. So I wanted to bring it up to the top. And uh, I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get into it with the man himself, Mr. Thomas Pridgen. Thomas, what's going on, man? Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah. How how you making out over there? I'm chilling, man. I'm over here, got a bunch of shit going on, bro. I'm like doing all kind of shit, and I'm trying to get ready for this tour. I'm on tour from February first to May first. Who are you on tour with? With this um, Italian artist named Eros Ramazzotti. He's like he's like the fucking Bruce Springsteen of Europe. Nice. You spend a lot of time in Italy. Uh, yeah, I spent like a month there, but. He's playing everywhere. We're doing like this time we did last time we did like two months or three months in Europe. And now we're doing another three months and then we got a break and then we're supposed to do some, um, some, some, some Americas. I got you. I got you. So, well, I want to get into to that a little bit, but I always like to get just a little bit of backstory in, you know, with my guests to, to let everybody know, you know, for those of the, for those of the people who don't know who Thomas Pridgen is, uh, just a little bit about, about who you are and what you do. You want me to tell you? Yeah, man. Oh shit. Um, I don't know. I've been shit playing the drums all my life and, um, I'm, uh, um, I don't know. I've been playing drums all my life and I'm fucking grew, you know, I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I've been playing in school. I grew up in church. You know, I know I'm crazy as hell, so it doesn't really show all the time. But grew up in church, and uh, my grandmother um, was really a good nurturer. She didn't she didn't Joe Jackson me, but she definitely you know inspired me to keep playing. And um, I used to play at uh, the Mars Volta. People know me from that, but I played with Christian Scott and Keisha Cole and fucking Wicked Wisdom with Jada Pickett and Suicidal Tendencies and Chiodos and Thundercat 
and Flying Lotus and shit, a bunch of people that I can't think of right now. Eric Gales, Doug Pinnock. Um, fuck, I play on a bunch of records that some people know about. I work with a guy named John Feldman a lot, who is a big producer and a singer for a band by the name of Goldfinger. And he's one of my, um, he's a, he's a, he's the one of the producers that I record with a lot. Um, but I record with a bunch of people and, um, I'm really into drums and culture and like, you know, anything that's, you know, that's, you know, I progressive really music or art or like, you know, you know, anything, but I don't know how to fucking talk about myself. Well, I think you just did a good job. That that, that works for me. So I got yeah, qu- I mean, So yeah. how how old were you when you started playing? I was three. Because and the reason why I ask is because there's there's a a thing that I I think about a lot, and that's the difference between between talent and skill. So you know, like Will Smith said, talent you have naturally, and skill is something that you develop from years and years of of beating on your craft. But I mean, you started playing at three. And you won the Guitar Center drum off at nine, right? Yeah. So even though, I mean, not to take anything away from you, I mean, you were obviously young when you did it, but you had already been playing for six years at the time. And most people, you know, if they start when they're 13, winning the Guitar Center drum off at 19, you're like, oh, he's 19, you know, he's he's older. But you had already, you've already had all this all this stuff under your belt. So what's your take on that, though? What is your take on on talent versus skill do you think that you had you were just lucky enough to have a combination of the both or do you think what you have is just raw talent um i'm not gonna take anything away from any of the drum off winners man i don't think nobody playing for six years can win the drum off currently you know what i mean i think nah the way the drum off has changed man it's not the same thing it was like you know for for me for me when i when we were doing it me eric moore carlin mccullough all the youngsters who did the drum off and won it it was it was a it was based around you actually being a drummer and playing and having a solo that's built and it was less about you know antics and what you're wearing and if you're singing a song and if you can p- program a, a song to the v drums or twirl sticks it was less about that where now they put all these other stipulations in it that has made it a lot more, you know, I don't know if I would say difficult, but it, it comes, it, it kind of negates the whole aspect of drumming when it comes to playing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a totally different, different competition. Now, um, I, um, not to say that we weren't doing something that they weren't doing either. You know what I mean? It's just a different thing. So I, I don't want people to think that the drum off when I want is the same drum off it is right now. Because even right now, 18, you got to be 18 to be in a drum off. Right. I was nine. So um, it was a different thing. But um, I think when it comes to talent and skill, I think um, I think my gift, um, my gift, is that, you know, I, I started playing drums so early and it was a big blessing. But I think a lot of the stuff that comes with me has to do with, I have a crazy ass, like, a crazy ass work ethic. Like, if I have something that I really want to do, I'm obsessive. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, from um, from skateboarding to, like, graffiti to, like, you know, um, fuck, you know, to cars, you know, to 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 every 
everything to learning how to to be a botanist and and grow grow certain things and I'm a, I'm I get obsessive about it like I'm that person who if I'm interested in it and I will, I will go to the deep ends of the earth to find out about it so mm. for the drums it was the same thing like you know my grandmother was was awesome enough to be able to help me you know accomplish these things um she she seemed like she knew no no um no bounds when it came to like you know thomas wants to go here and check this out all right let's go you know she was always about it and um so that's why i say she was really nurturing is because she saw my interest in it and she just you know she just nurtured it she didn't really she didn't really try to push me as much as she tried to to provide an angle or an alley for me to get to a certain place so um i would take lessons and you know, even when I was really young, I was so interested that other drummers who were older than me would take, you know, take time to talk, teach me shit. Right. Because I would almost make them feel uncomfortable not to. Because I would be sitting there and I'd be asking them so many questions <laughs> that they would, you know, a lot of times feel like, damn, this kid knows more about me than me. Right. You know what I mean? Because I, I, was, I was so fanatical, you know, from reading magazines to, to videos so even you know i was i was as as you know childlike as to be like telling the person what symbol they were playing on something i'd be like i remember on this video you was playing this 12 inch a custom splash you know just for example you know right. and i would tell them and they would they would freak out because they were like this kid knows everything so <laughs> i was i was obsessive you know so and i still am to a degree because i still um because I still, I still, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm competitive. You right. know what I mean? I'm, I'm highly competitive. So it's like, um, I feel like a lot of us who are really good are highly competitive. We're competing with not only ourselves, but we're competing with the idea of something that we don't see happening. It's like, um, you know, you, you think you're in a studio practicing, you're thinking about, man, I'm sure, um, you know, maybe somebody is in other in another place in the world practicing or these guys in Cuba who don't have Starbucks or PlayStations like we have out here maybe they're out there practicing so that was always in my mind so I was always I was always like racing the clock mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um I don't know I think I think talent is um talent is the 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 I think talent is the 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 skill in in which you are are um Basically, the in in which you are learning how how fast you learn. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is a talent. You know, I feel like when you see those dudes who are geniuses at math and in science, I think that's a talent. I think what I was doing was a talent in the same respect. But I feel like I feel like you also have to have someone to be able to to give you information. And you're not just out of thin air knowing how to play all the Dennis's licks. Right. You know what I mean? You have to watch Dennis. You know what I mean? So. I had a lot of people who were inspiring me. So I, I would be a crazy person and not think talent is something, but I also think that it is built from something, you know, it, mm-hmm. it you know, you learn, so you learn one thing and even learning, bro, le- learning in itself is a practice thing. Right. Like some people, like I have drummers that I teach and I'd be like, yo, you should watch other drummers, you know? And to me, it comes, you know, to me, it, and when I say it, when I'm saying it out loud, I'm saying to them in a way that I conceive it. I conceive watching people and being able to steal everything they play because I've, I've figured out how to learn. Right. 
You know what I mean? So I think I think it's um I think it, it takes skill to get past only having talent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It takes someone being able to like sharpen the knife because um, right. I mean that I talent's feel, only going to get you so far, and then you got to refine it with skill with, and that's hours and hours of sitting in the in the practice room figuring that shit out. Well, I think I I think that's true too. I just but I believe that like you know it's relative. Like how talented you are is super relative because you might learn something at at six and not learn nothing at seventeen. So you have right. a lot of people who peak, you know what I mean? So it's like when they can, you know, you can run your capacity, I guess you want to say. I feel like I don't know how 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 much, you know, it's like gravity. It's like is talent and skill not the same thing? I, I don't I don't think they are. You don't think so? I I don't know. I think talent is something that I think skill is something that you refine and you have to and I think skill is a learned thing. So you have talent that, you know, maybe when you're when you're three years old, when you sit behind the drums or four or five. Well, let's start. Let's say when you're three, if you sit down and just start playing naturally, I think that's God given talent. But I don't think you're a skilled drummer. You didn't. I didn't didn't necessarily start playing naturally. I don't think none of us did. Like when you think of um, at three, when I was three years old, I was growing up in church. And my grandmother played piano and I was sitting and watching the drummer all day and everybody else was watching the drummer. So right. it wasn't like I, I feel like, you know, as a kid, beating on something is absolutely natural. You know, I think that's the most natural thing to do. But when it when it comes to me, like, I don't think like it wasn't it wasn't something that I never saw. You know, what I mean, it was right. something that I, I saw. So it's not like I don't think kids grow up in the desert and next thing you know, they can know they know how to fly a plane in three. Right. They have right. to like they have to be around Develop. a plane. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? So it's like, is that really talent or skill? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think talent I think talent is um is a is a downplayed word of of a of a gift. Right. That's what I'm you saying. I, mean? I think talent is a, is the gift and the skill is the is what you do in the practice room and you become a skilled drummer or carpenter or whatever it is that you yeah but what if what if even the whole idea of a gift just being an idea like say say you got a kid who is like nine years old and all he fixates on is sports and all he wants to do is think about the stats and he can tell you how many points curry scored like i feel like I, i feel like yeah it's you know it's it's i think i think it's a gift that he enjoys that that much Mm-hmm. Like that idea is implanted in his head and it's so powerful to him that that's what he is enthralled in. Right. That's what I think. You know, you have a gift. Someone gives you a gift. I think the gift is the idea, man. Like, I think I think that's the most that's the most treasured thing in the world. If you if you look at if you look at societies and you look at these companies, what you were just talking about, you look at these people who own everything. The one thing they won't ever give you is what? information yeah yep they gi- they'll give you money they'll give you a drum set they'll give you all this shit they won't ever give you information why do you think that is because that's what the gift is <laughs> the gift is information yeah. yeah that's why when you that's why the people who give you the information are so important yeah i agree and so so it's like 
that I don't know. So for that that level, I I I, I get confused on because you know the 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 English the English language is is be is reverse. You know that, right? Mm, what do you mean? All right. Well, if you if you go in Spanish, and you know, if I was speaking English the way Spanish people speak Spanish, they would say I'm gonna eat the taco big or the 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 red the the cherries red right 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 they say it backwards so spelling is a spell it's a it's backwards it's a spell what is a spell that's witchcraft that's something that's backwards so when you say stuff and people say stuff to you and especially when you start thinking about what law is and the way law is it, it starts being like you have I have to be hella careful about what I'm saying because. Sometimes I'm saying the opposite of what the fuck, you know what I mean? I feel right. like it's, I have to think about what I'm saying because the people are li- the people who listen to me, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't know, man. I just I'm I'm a different person, bro. I feel like, you know, I play drums and that that was the that was the the information the gift God gave me and I, you know, but I feel like my purpose in life is so much more is much more huge than that because the people I meet playing music our relationships transcend music. Right, right. What do you think your purpose in life is? I ain't figured it out yet. No, but I'm saying that I know it ain't just to be like, oh, this motherfucker can play a thousand paradiddles around the drums. Right, it's bigger than I, that. Hell yeah, dude! I I sat here and watched. I sat here and like not even trying to do it, bro. With a group of friends that I've known and naturally know them, not trying to meet them, none of that have have started. Have not even started, but have. Have, that's wrong word wording, wording myself, but I have highlighted a style. We 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 have highlighted something inside of our own genre of playing the drums that has highlighted a bunch of shit for you know for people who had grown up in church, you know, right. which is just like us playing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Being being alive, being existing. You right. know what I mean? Like prior to two thousand and and six. A bunch of these dudes didn't exist. Right. So my my point is, it's like, you know, is my, you know, I think that in some levels was my purpose or, you know, or our purpose is to sit there and every chapter you live, it creates something. You know what I mean? You're supposed to, you know, this is what, this is what humanity is about. This is what fucking, this whole shit is about with global warming and all these people fighting each other. And what the world looks like, and who we are as a, a color, or who who the fuck we are as a human race—that's what this shit's about. It's about us transcending this time to the next time, not death in life and death, but much more like like can we get can we get past the the way our world is right now to the next level? And I think it takes a bunch of people growing to next chapters of their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I feel like I don't know if. I don't know if my purpose is my purpose is our purpose. Right. The greater good sort of thing yeah. rather than just you, what you're doing individually, but as how it's, how everybody's coming together to, to sort of. How everybody benefits from it. Right. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you know, Martin Luther King or Malcolm X, what they did, you know, it was bigger than them. They didn't benefit from it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, the people after them benefit from parts of it, you know, or certain aspects of what right. they did. Right. So I, you know, I don't know. I feel like, you know, I feel like music is, um, music, music is weird because music is one of the, the is it, it's one of the only places where people accept you because you do it. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So what do you, what do you mean by that? Like, I mean, like if you if you went around the world and you said you fucking play football, no disrespect to none of the football players, but nobody would really give a fuck. Right. You know what I mean? Why? Because it's nothing, it's 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 nothing healing about it. Yeah. Like it's not you're not gonna sit there and have someone say, bro, that moment you scored that touchdown. You kept me from like committing suicide. Right, right. You know well, that's I, mean? I been... actually put something up the other day was saying that music is the only language that we all speak fluently. Yeah, you know. So oh, I man. I agree. Nobody's gonna. I don't think anybody's gonna be like, man, your math skills really inspired me to. You know, unless you're like crazy, but I don't know. <laughs> I think I think it's cool that you know we get to live this this kind of life. I think that I mean. To me, that's the gift of like, I don't know. I think that's the gift. I think all the people think about all the people who've changed the world, man, by by writing a song. Right. You know what I mean? So I feel like I'm blessed, and that's the gift God gave me. The I He gave me the idea of playing music. He gave me the idea of 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 doing this. That's right. my gift. This is crazy. It's it's crazy to you know to look at it like that, but I don't know because I see everybody can really play the same thing. Hmm. So it's what you do with it after that to, to sort of influence and and you know use it for whatever you want to use it for. That's bigger than just music and and chops in this small. And you know it like this industry is small too. You know, so there's so many more things that can be done outside of it. And using music to to sort of as the connector to to something else is, I think, a powerful thing. <laughs> It's time to design your dream kit. You have a sound and look in your mind's eye, and it's time to make that dream a reality. Your sound emerges from the choicest materials and is constructed using the exclusive Sonar Optimum shell measurement construction, utilizing slightly undersized shell diameters, allowing the drum head the space to float freely with unrestricted bearing edge contact. Your look emerges through the ultimate selection of veneers, hand-polished lacquers, and premium coverings to create the stunning look of your dreams. Design yours today at sq2-drumsystem.com. DB1 drumheads and cymbals allow all drummers to hit hard in the middle of the night without a single noise complaint. DB1 drum heads and cymbals provide the natural tone and genuine feel of an acoustic kit, but only produce 20% of the volume of acoustic heads. These are Evan's first drum and cymbals to include proprietary technology that allows for unmistakable and authentic feel, crack, and buzz in an acoustic kit at one-fifth the noise level. Drummers, your neighbors can sleep, your midnight jam sessions can continue, all thanks to Evan's, the most technologically advanced drum heads on earth. So we talked, you know, a lot about the the skill and the and the talent side of things. But like, what was a what did a practice routine look like for you when you were younger? What were some of the some of the stuff? Because you and the reason why I ask is I I usually don't talk a lot about 
like drumming fundamentals on the podcast. But the reason why I asked is because I think that you have a definitive style that that is different than a lot of people. And that's why I'm I'm curious to know sort of what your mindset was uh, practicing and what sort of stuff you practiced. Um, like when I was like, I had a mo- like, like we were talking about the chapters, like I would have one mode where it was all about like Dennis Chambers, you know what I mean? So I would engulf myself in listening to like, you know, everything he did with like Mike Stern to John Schofield to like right now, the kids right now, they got an advantage because they got a Spotify. Like when I was in college, I used to go when the Max first came out, I would go and burn all those fucking CDs they had in the library at Berkeley. Like right. I would be like, I would go discography of Bill Stewart, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Online, right? Go straight to the library and go get every one of those records, bro, and be on it. So I was, I was like that. Like I, when growing up in church, we all can watch you and play back everything. When I say that, remember I said that because it's gonna make sense why I play differently. I have, I had, I had to figure out a way to not sound like people, and then it just like, um. So everybody in church, we all watch each other, and we can basically play it back. You know, some stuff you sit there and you'd be like, "Ooh, I ain't never thought of it like that," or mm-hmm. "Ooh, I never saw a play on the time." Like that, or that was extra fast. You know, you got shit like that too, where it's like unnecessarily difficult. You know, right. so you got you got that, and then you have the fact of like when I was growing up, what I would do is I would learn, I would look at all my favorite drummers all, all day, fixate on all of them, <laughs> look at the drum set, and I had a drum teachers. I had drum teachers, and I would ask them how to do stuff like the guys that I liked. Mm-hmm. Like right now, we have an epidemic. We have an epidemic of drummers who are drum teachers who don't have a gig. Right. right. They ain't never played with anyone. Right. <laughs> the top, the top five music instructors. Now I won't even say that. The top four of them. I'll, I won't name any names. Majority of them don't have a gig. Right. Right. So when you say, "Kid, how do you play like?" How do you play like J.R. Robinson? He can't tell you. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I was I was teaching, I was getting lessons from people who were doing it. Like like Dave Garibaldi, Curtis Newtall, um, Tony Williams, man, people who were playing. I would, you know, my grandmother, we she would be like, she would meet, I remember Chuck Brown. There was a dude named Chuck Brown. He taught everybody in the, a lot of people in the Bay, not everybody. Right. But his lessons at the time were too expensive for me. I remember Tony Williams was expensive at the time. And my grandmother was like, I'll do one lesson, you know? Right. I remember that. But I would take lessons and I would talk to drummers who were on gigs. Like these guys that like come out of nowhere. Like I would see Virgil Donati because Virgil Donati had videos. When I was nine years old, Virgil Donati had a video with DCI. Right. And he was doing uh, double DC, stroke rolls. DCI videos, man. Yeah. He had a DCI video and it, he was doing double stroke rolls. He's playing Remo drums and Pisces cymbals. I remember watching that shit all the time. So I would watch all those dudes. I, I had all the videos, and I and I was always checking them out. And I grew up in church. So I was like one of the first drummers to take a double bass to church. So it would be like, I remember another dude who did that was Teddy Campbell. Teddy Campbell was playing double bass in church. But a majority of guys were not diving into other styles that were using, like, you know, metals-esque, you know, stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was I was enthralled with modern drummers. So I would sit there and just I would practice practice just soloing some days. 
some days I would play or I would do I would do it all. I would go and play the records. So I play the gospels with records. And a lot of cool thing about playing with records with people playing drums is that they're actually playing drums first sitting there, you know, trying to play with like, uh, uh, you know, uh, a Dr. Dre beat, you know what I mean? Dr. Dre don't have no real drums on that shit. So right. it's like, you don't, you don't have to, it's not the same musicality as a song with bridges and breakdowns and hits. So playing the church music and playing the, like my favorite R and B tunes, you know, I was just practicing and I would, I would practice soloing over them. Like I would, you know, I grew when I went to middle school, I was in the jazz band and then the dude kicked me out because I kept tuning his drums like a church drum kit and he had them all tuned like timpanis and shit. So he was <laughs> mad, kicked me out, but I was still going to church. So then I went to another school, played in a jazz band. When I was playing in a jazz band, all those dudes were like, yo, you got to listen to Art Blakey and Tang and all these dudes. And they wanted me to sound like a cliche-ass jazz drummer. Not saying they're cliche, but horn players and people who are jazzists, jazzers, which I like to call them, have a traditional, you know, thought pattern of what jazz, at that time, probably less now, of what jazz should sound like, right? Right. So I would I would have to deal with that. So I would, I would, oh, and I also took lessons from Ndugu Chancellor. So mm-hmm. I would have... I would have Ndugu in summertime because I went to Stanford Jazz Camp in Duke, and I was um I was too young to be at the camp, but they let me go. You know what I mean? So I would be there, and Ndugu would be teaching me, and Ndugu would be wearing my ass out. He'd be like, "Man, you got to feather the bass drum." I'm like, mm-hmm. "All right," you know. He would just be wearing me out because right. he knew I was another black drummer, and he wanted me to be able to really play. He didn't want me just to be like, you know, partially playing. He right. wanted me to really be playing, and mm-hmm. like I'm talking about reading feathering the bass drum, knowing how to play dynamics. I thank him for that. He really helped me out a lot because having people like him, you know, people like him who know how to be on you, like to a point where you almost want to kill him. Right. Like it helps you because when you have to deal with a crazy ass person in a band, it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's simple because you already dealt with you that. You already went through already, it all. Yeah. I already dealt with a bunch of choir directors who hated that I would play a fill or I dealt with that shit. So by the time I got into where I'm at now, I don't have a problem with anything. You want me to fucking piss on a toilet paper, I'll piss on toilet paper on this record. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. You know? So I had a lot of people like that. And, you know, I had all these guys, and, and they, were giving me, they were giving me their advice. You know, I, a, lot of my, a lot of my best advice from other people at the time sucked. At the time, I was like, I want to kill this guy. Right. And not, you know, I remember Little John, one of the things he said that I was pissed off about at the time. I don't know if I was pissed, but I was definitely distraught. And I was maybe 15, 16. First time he ever sees me play, and he's like, yo, all that shit you played was dope, but it would be tight if you played that shit quiet. And I was like, fuck this fool. Like, in my mind, I'm right. thinking that. Right. But, you know, he was saying some real shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was, and right now, I, I look back on it and I laugh because it's sometimes, man, like I, I, I can play in a in a very dynamic way. I can play real quiet. You know, I can play real loud as fuck. You know what I mean? So it created uh, it created a sense of dynamics that I don't see in a lot of drummers right now. Mm-hmm. I see people play loud and I see people either play. I see people play loud and I see people play and they just don't make the drum sound good. Right. Like, you know, when you when you see like, you know, Abe Laborio. Or, you know, Sean Pelton or Jeff Beccaro or Vinnie Caliuta and Dave Weckl, you like them, 
a lot more playing all that shit when the drums sound better. Sure. And they drums sound good. They know how to tune the drums and they know how to hit the drums. And so uh, like all this stuff that, you know, it's all helped me. It's all like, it's all shaped me. You know what I mean? It's like stuff that at times I hated it, but I, I, I look back and I respect it. And I, and I feel like now, now we're at a place where it, it's different now. It's different now because if you say you don't like a drummer, then you're hating. Right. And it's like, why? How am I wrong for saying I don't like the way this dude plays? Yeah, I mean, everybody. It's why? like I don't like certain foods. <laughs> like, what's it? Come on, man. Like, when? When? When is it? What? Why is it? Why? Why is we there? We're there now at this point in life where I'm not talking about just in our industry. I'm talking about in all industries where. If you say you don't like something, you're a hater. Right. If I say right now I don't like LeBron, I'm a. If I don't like, if I don't like the way this fool plays the drums, now I hate. I hate him as a person or some shit. It's like nah, bro. That's not how it is. It's like we all are subjective. We all are people, and we. And I feel like that keeps the movement going. I remember sitting in church, and we would be like, "Nigga, I'll outplay you." Like right. people would say it to you. Yeah. You'd well, be like, comp- you cool? I mean, it's it's competitive. Come on, man. This is as competitive as it gets because the moment and, and people try to act like it ain't until they need a gig. And then right. when they need a gig, everybody at an audition acting like they don't know each other. So right. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious to me. But I always sit there, bro. And I was I would be playing. I would be practicing. And I would also look at my kids. would look at, you know, I had Ronald on my fucking heels. I had. You know, uh, Justin Brown and Tony Rusher. We all hung out as kids. Like, so we all knew what we were doing. I'm talking to Tony. I'm like, what do you do? I see you at PASIC. We hang out at PASIC right. at 12 years old. You know what I mean? I know he sounds like, you know, I know what Ronald sounds like. And we're all close to the same age. So it was a bunch of us. Jacob Armin was there. You know, um, some of them did. You know, some of the guys who were my age playing at the time didn't stay playing. I started playing keyboards. I played a different instrument and stopped playing drums as much. But, you know, we were all inspired by each other. So I feel like having that and, you know, when I got to high school playing jazz, uh, like, you know, when you, when you, when at that time, everybody was thinking of jazz as a, traditional like dude before christian scott's record man and like i mean i'm miles definitely did this you know he did it first you know not one of the first he did it first but when like in 2001 nobody was coming out with jazz records where drummers were playing backbeats right not at all you know what i mean so like it got to that place with with me because that was where i came from i came from the R&B, church, hip-hop vibe. And I listen, to, I listen to rock and punk all the time because I was skating since 13. Mm-hmm. I'm 32 years old. So I've been skating the black skater in the hood before a lot of people. I used to get fucking... People used to ch- chug bottles at me and shit and rocks and did just <laughs> laugh at me when I fell. I used to wear Jinko jeans and shit. And I was fucking the punk kid because I skateboarded and I was into graffiti. So I went to I went to school and did jazz, but I was always influenced by rock. So mm-hmm. I was always, if you talk to anyone who went to high school with me, I was always rebelling against jazz. I was always, but I was also learning a lot of what made jazz jazz. Right. Well, if you know, if I'm playing with a trumpet player and we're 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 playing together, I'm I'm supposed to compliment what he's playing because he's soloing. 
right? Or the player, or the piano player, where you got to drum down in volume. So I would take all these little things from every aspect of my, you know, musicianship from church, from this um, church. You know, I went to a Baptist church, and my pastor used to he used to sing. So he would do a lot of blues tunes. So we would end up in a shuffle. We ended up playing do blah, 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 like playing shuffle. So I learned, you know, they like, play, listen to Art Blakey shuffle. I'm like, well, my pastor saying, you know, all right. And so I'm, I'm indirectly learning all these different styles of music. Not really understanding, you know, now. I'll get to that. So I also was taking lessons from Alfredo Reyes. And he lives here and he's like, it's not too many legends, like Afro-Cuban legends in the Bay or in the world at all. <laughs> and so, you know, they would, everybody, when they come to town, they would go and hang out with Alfredo. Right. And I was taking lessons from him. So I would get to see Horacio. I got to see Daphne's. I got to see a bunch of people from Cuba who came here illegally. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They would sneak over and be here for like a week. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I get to hang out with them. And, you know, they'd be like, Tommy, you know, you guys are playing, you know, some commercial punk ass version of latin this is how you really play it right? Right, right and so you know i was looking at dave weckle no disrespect to dave weckle but dave weckle ain't gonna play latin like no dude from cuba so nope you know i would sit there and i would i would you know get to see dave weckle and a lot of the guys in gospel was influenced by dave weckle's master plan you know I mean so we get to see i get to see dave weckle do it and i get to see horacio and so i I started putting the two and two together and I could start, I could see that the, the, the Afro-Cuban dudes was doing what we did in church. Right. Like every week, every week the style would change. Huh. You know what I mean? Every week, you, you're, every week it's a new beat in hip hop. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Like yeah. every, one day, everybody's all up on um, Teddy Riley. The next day, they all on Dr. J. The next day, they all on uh, Timberland. The next day, they all on grinding on Neptunes. So it, it, it's a constant movement. That's that's what African music is. African music is is ever so changing because that's how that's, it's a wave. It goes with the times. That's why if you really notice um, black people and African people or I'll say more Moorish people are the most trendiest when it comes to music. Like we'll like something one week and the next week hate it. Right. <laughs> and it's because. And then, and then it's the opposite. You look at white people, and white people love a lot of music that black people gave up on. You yeah. know what I mean? We'd be like, so it's like we are trendy with the music shit. So what happened was, you know, I would, I would, I, I would, I was inspired by that. I would see that. I would, I would be like, oh shit, they're not playing, they're not playing the clave this same way or on the same thing. They and they now, now it's more, it's a felt clave. You right, don't have to right. play it. You know what I mean? Right. You can play two notes in the clave. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I was, I was just talking to Luis Conte about that. The, I interviewed him uh, a couple weeks ago. We were talking about the same thing. Yeah. About so, feeling it differently. Yeah. So it for me, it was like, you know, after after having all these different people open your fucking mind, basically, you know what I mean? I just, I started seeing all of it the same way. Right. So, the moment I got into Mars Volta and they're like, play, and I'm playing, I'm, I'm channeling that time I was nine and having to do my drum teacher's gig. You know mm -hmm, what I mean? And mm -hmm. he's like, yo, go do my gig. And I'm like, I don't know the songs, you know? Well, just go play. Right, and so figure that's it out. How, right. 
that's how I got the gig. And they were like, dude, you, tonight we, we kind of set you up. You're actually going to play tonight. And they're like, we're jamming on this one song. And that's what we did. I'm like, dude, they're like, are you going to feel weird? I'm like, no, I've been jamming all my life. Right. This is you what I do. Saying? Exactly. So I was, I was already getting prepared for a lot of this stuff. And, you know, even even past drumming, you know, even business, you know, I, you know, I used to sit there and Narda Michael Walden lives here. So I would go to Narda's house and Narda is one of the biggest producers that ever was. You know, he did Mariah Carey, you mm-hmm. know, but he's also a fusion drumming god. You know what I mean? He did right, Montevideo right. Orchestra after Billy Cobham. Right. So I got to sit there and like I got to see uh, uh, I got to see a millionaire drummer at nine, ten, you know. I'm like, this is amazing, you know. Right. So I kept, I kept, I kept climbing the ladder, bro. I kept moving up, I, and, there, and I still am. You know, what I mean, I'm still changing it up. You know, this is my first time doing a European gig with a guy, right. and I took this gig on because I knew it would be a language barrier. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to see how it would feel to not only have a language barrier, but actually play a different style than I'm used to with people who aren't necessarily playing, that are not necessarily come from where I come from. Right. You know what I mean? It's a challenge. Or, you know, why do I want to do suicidal tendencies? I want to do that because it's a punk band from California and I get to get my 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 punk chops up. Why do you want to do, you know what I mean? Most of the shit I've been doing is a challenge of myself. It's not, it hasn't been no money shit. A lot of times I've been not making a bunch of money. It's been a challenge to myself. Right. It's like, I want to, I've been, because, you know, I'm proving shit to myself. Well, that's what I like, was going to ask you. Do you feel like you still have stuff to prove? Hell fucking yeah, because I'm, I mean, but not to you. Like, I don't feel like I got to prove anything to you. Right. But I feel like for me, like, yes. I mean, I think that, I think in a lot of ways, drummers, I think in musicians are people in the world. A lot of times they want to prove shit to other people instead of prove things to themselves. Right. So you're and not so worried from, about what other people think. You're just worried about yourself. Not, and I don't mean that. I, mean, I don't mean I wanna, that. I don't mean that negatively. I'm saying like you're nah, not trying to prove it. anything into except to yourself. No, I want to I want to make sure I still keep the bar raised. You know what I mean? Sure. I don't want to sound like shit and be like I don't give a fuck how you feel, but like I don't necessarily like I am trying to prove shit to myself. Right. Because if I wasn't trying to prove shit to myself and it was it was all about everybody else, I'd be trying to go get Lady Gaga's gig or some shit. Right. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what a lot of people are fucking trying to that's what they prescribe to do. Mm-hmm. They're like I want to go and play for Madonna. And right. you know that's cool, but musically is that challenging? Fuck no, it's cha- it's more challenging being around those people and dealing with not being seen as a drummer and seen as a per- a work workhorse than it is playing the drums for Madonna. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm challenging myself on a music level, bro. I'm this is this is music for me. This is like something that you know I you know when you travel the world all the time, bro, you neglect your friends and family for this shit. So mm-hmm. I'm going to neglect my friends and family for some bullshit-ass music? Yeah. That make, like, like, real talk. That makes for sense. For some money, I'm going to neglect my friends and family for some bullshit money because if you really think about it, a lot of these fools are getting, they getting pimped. Yeah. It ain't no, it ain't no way in hell you're going you gonna to get a Madonna to come to your arena for less than $500,000. Right. So when you over here sitting talking about I'm making $1,000 a show, and it's five shows a week at $5,000, and she just made, what, $2.5 million, and you getting paid fucking $5,000? You just got pimped. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's my issue 
with all of these fucking magazines. That's why I was so juiced to talk to you because they, 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 they promote it. They promote getting pimped because they do. They've been knowing about me, Tony Royster, all of us, Ronald, all of us, bro. They've been knowing about all of us since we were kids. They mm-hmm. don't put us in shit until we are playing for Jay-Z or the Mars Volta or Prince or then they're like, oh, let me put you in here. Why? Because they want their magazine associated with the bands, not with you. Right. Leveraging. about you. Leveraging. Yeah, they don't care about you. So you sit there and they pip you. They sit there and they be like, I want you in my magazine. You're like, bro, if this is a, all about modern drumming, where's the guy who is um, who plays in the subway singing? Who got fucking sixty thousand views? Sixty. Yeah. He got so many views. I saw the dude. He got so many views. He goes in. He kills it. He has an audience outside the subway in uh, New York all the time. Oh, uh, Reed. I see him all. I see him all. I live here, so I see him a lot. You see what I'm saying? Where's yeah. he on the cover? You won't yeah. see him on the cover. But I'm actually gonna some, have him on the podcast. He's dope as shit. He, yeah, you know he is, saying? and he can sing. He can sing really well too. Yeah, he can really sing. And like for me, that's modern. That's a modern drummer. Because the modern person ain't on a gig. The modern person ain't rich. The modern person ain't working for the biggest star. The modern person is the person who's outside playing the drums because he wants to. The person who's out there sitting teaching their kids how to play the tambourine because it's, it's passed down in their family. Not because they fucking play with Fleetwood Mac. Nobody gives a fuck about that. No Fleetwood Mac fan really cares. Right. They don't care. That's like, you know what I mean? That, that's association. And I, I feel it, but it bothers me because coming from a person with a heart, I feel like, um, I feel like, um, you know, I don't know, man. I just, I feel like, I feel like the whole, the whole idea of, of where we have came is weird, you know? And I, I thank God that I got to experience and play with so many, have so many people teach me because, you know, I've, I've, well, I've gotten taught things so, as so, you know, not in, it's so random as how to fucking practice. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And not someone teaching me how to, not someone technically sitting down and be like, I'm going to teach you how to practice, but just me watching them. Like mm-hmm. I fucking did a clinic tour with Virgil Donati and I thought I knew how to practice until I watched him practice. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm just like, like watching them and I'm like, that's where, that's where my individuality comes because I've seen so many people, I refuse to go and play some shit like someone else. Right. So let's. I want to rewind a little bit because I got to yeah. ask you. So, so for the for the the kid now that's that's thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, twenty that's listening to this. Yeah. Are you suggesting not to go after that pop gig or not to no, not I'm to go do that? You got to make money. I'm saying making money, dude. I mean, if 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 they say yo. Do you want to go work at this bagel spot and they're going to pay you $15 an hour? I'm going to be like $15 an hour is good to work at a goddamn bagel spot. So I'm not going to I'm not going to diss anyone for making money. But what I'm saying is we have gotten beyond making money into acting like this shit is art. (laughs) Like, let's get real. This shit is not art. This shit is making money. And that's what it is for these companies who put the money up for these artists. Right. They don't be like, oh, yeah, I'm about to put a million dollars up because it's the most artistic person. Mm-hmm. If that was the case, it would be none of this shit. They put this money up because they know this shit is going to make them money. It's an investment. Sure. It's business. So, yeah. So if you're investing in investing in yourself because you need some money, I get it. But what I'm saying is for me, we have a slew. I mean, I, a lot of times, bro, I'm not I'm not I'm not a person. I'm not a bigot, man. I'm not a person who is 
you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not racist in any kind of fucking way, even though, you know, that, so I'm, I'm the type of person who I have my, I have people who, who look at me, man. Like I'm a black young male. I'm a statistic out here, man. I drive down the street, motherfuckers get killed. Right. So I talk for a lot of my people, man. So when I sit here, you know, you know, what I, what bothers me about it is that we are marketed, me, we as black men, especially in this music game, are marketed like that because, and I see it, and we, we're marketed like that while a lot of people, other people are not marketed like that. You won't ever see, dude, how many drummers how do we know in the world has been black who taught a lesson? A thousand of them. Now, how many of them are going to be on the cover of Modern Drummer? Right. None. Right. None. You won't get on the Modern Drummer unless you got a gig. Right. So right, right. when you sit there, Chris Dave has been amazing forever, dude. We've been looking at Chris Dave since I was nine, ten. Condition came out hell long ago for us. You know what I mean? Right. We all you might know him from fucking Robert Glasper or some shit. We've been knowing that dude forever. He used to play church music too. So we sit there. We sit there. And I mean, we, I know who Min, I know who I I listen to Min Condition yeah, too. Yeah, I'm so. not saying you don't. I, I'm just I'm just right, making right. sure you know that a lot of people don't really know the history. You'd be, you'd be surprised stuff. how much of the history I know of that of like, especially like old school hip hop and R&B. That's dope. So. Yeah, a lot of dudes don't know any history. Do you know that Brian Fraser Moore used to play for Philly Mass Choir? Yeah, I'm from Philly, so. Yeah, so you know all about it. So when I, know I met all, Brian, yeah, all that when stuff. I met Brian, he was playing with Philly Mass. When I met fucking Chris, he was he was doing Mint Condition when it was like when it when he was started doing a gig with Mint Condition. Right. So like I got dudes, sent to the principal's office for wearing an NWA shirt in fifth grade. Oh, you know all about shit. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so yeah, so a lot of these dudes don't get any kind of love until they do something that is quote unquote national recognized is recognized nationally. Right. So a lot of times. It's teaching a lot of the dudes don't don't be individuals, don't have any kind of individuality. Why? Right. Because you don't get in the, you don't get in nothing with individuality. You get in this with a gig. Right. To get a gig, you gotta wear a black shirt and be a goddamn penguin. You know what I mean? But when you look at when you look at everybody else, you look at any other successful drummer, bro. They don't do that. Like you don't see them doing that. You don't see Travis Barker over here like oh. You know what I mean? He's not in there because he got a gig, bro. He's in there because he's him. Right. You know what I mean? You, Trey right. Cool. People who matter, they're in there because they're them. Right. Vinny Caliuda could not have a gig, and he would be in the magazine. He right. would be in this shit, and that's that's my point. So what it does is it teaches a bunch of people not to be individuals. So when you when you look at the talent that the R&B and the hip-hop circuit has, you you wonder, all you guys got a th- all this talent. Where are the records at? Right. Right. Where's like half these dudes' records? Yeah. You I mean, do I mean? you do you regret being on the cover of Modern Drummer? No, I think it was amazing that I was on the cover because, in my opinion, you know, dude, you know, it was really hard for me to do what I did. It wasn't like easy. It wasn't. It wasn't like, oh yeah, you go and you're like, you're like the guy, the dude nobody knows, and you're placing John Theodore on a cult following band. These people are cult followers of that band. So coming into a situation, not looking like nobody, not understanding who I'm around, not even knowing the music, not knowing who any of these people are, it's difficult to go and play and do a record that people like. Right. Why? Because you don't know what they like. You don't you don't know what this you don't even know your crowd. Right. Right. You know what I mean, I don't know these people. So I'm sitting there and it was hella difficult. So in my opinion, I feel like I earned the shit out of that. 
Right. And, what and I, I wasn't saying was, that you didn't. I was just asking because, you know, you're... No, no I feel like the majority of people who are on the, on, in Mono Drummer are in Mono Drummer too damn late. Right. Like, I'm like, when are you going to, like, when are you going to show Mike Mitchell? When are you going to show fucking Travis Orban? When are you going to, when are you going to show the dudes who are actually modern? When are you going to show the dudes who are actually, you know, the face of the of this game? And I only, I only talk about them and, and the media and when it comes to drum media, because I feel like I learned so much from them. Right. I was you surprised know? that Brian Fraser Moore just got the cover, like, you know. A couple of it two said months ago. Madonna on it. <laughs> What's that? Lord, it said Madonna on it. No, I'm saying I'm surprised <laughs> that it took him so long to get the cover. Is what yeah, I'm saying. I mean they could have put it for they could have put it for Justin Timberlake. They could have <laughs> they could have put it. You know, I just think it for me personally, it's just we a lot of us are like they don't want individuality in this game, bro. And I feel like you know I feel like in a lot of levels. We we are we're almost having to fucking kick the door down, you know what I mean? To right, be like, yo, right. like the like Gospel Chops was a bootleg. Most people never seen the real video. Oh, really? No, most people saw the YouTube clips. Yeah, most people never seen the video, the full video. You know what I mean? Like this is we like this is like a situation where we kind of like we made this happen. This wasn't something somebody was like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna start featuring you guys. <laughs> right. Yeah, you just you know, sort of started the started the movement. We made it happen. Right. So I'm 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 sitting there and you know so I what, feel like So what's your advice now? I mean, like what do you what do you what do you suggest that My my advice, man, to everybody playing music, man, is to fucking do something that is you. Right. Figure out how to put yourself in music. Figure out how to Figure out your own way but of writing. But there's, but the, you have to make money at it too. So how do you, how do you blend that art and and the business side of it too? I know? mean, that don't make sense to me. I, you know, I was just thinking about this yesterday. I'm like, because when you talk to people about music, if you talk to the average person about music, and if if we went to Guitar Center and we talked to the, hello, the I'm average here? person, if we talked to the average person about music, and we said. And we were like, yeah, man, I want to do this. I want I want to play, but, man, they got to pay me $5,000. Everybody would look at you crazy. They would be like, yo, you're supposed to be doing this for the art, right? Right. Well, no, I guess I'm asking if you're going to do it as a profession, <laughs> would you do it for free and get a gig at, at Starbucks if that meant you When I you first could... started doing it, I didn't, know what it, I didn't know what a profession was. I just wanted to play. Right, right. You know what I mean? I, I, it's like if I would have thought of this as a profession when I was doing it, I don't know if I would have did it. Right. I right. mean, if you think of a lot of shit like that, you wouldn't do it. Most I, people are, I agree. I didn't start playing drums to make money. Yeah. So you it's know like what I mean? if you so it's like yeah, I feel like if, if you you can't be on both sides of the fence, man. It's this is one dude who says that, you know, he, he says you gotta watch out what you consider um consider hereditary. You know what I mean? They were talking about, you know, uh the Caitlyn Jenner thing. And, you know, he was or, or, or Lady Gaga with the record, I was born this way. And it was like, all right, well, if you could be born that way, couldn't you be born a serial killer? Or could you, since, you know, black people have uh, historically been in poverty, could you be born in poverty too? Can you like, be, like, you know, mentally, mentally, you know what I mean? So you got to be careful um, in some levels of, 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 what, you're, of what you're saying um, 
when it when it comes to that, I feel like if you if you're doing it for the music, do it for the music. If you're doing it for the money, then do it for the goddamn money. Right. Well, I but guess I guess my question would be, all right, Thomas, I'm gonna hire you for a gig for 500 bucks a week and it's really artistic and 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 we're going to go on the road for six months or i'm going to hire you for this other gig that's not artistic at all but it pays five thousand dollars a week so one it's like you know i guess that's my question is like would you would you it depends how long it is right it depends how long it is right because like think about it bro like honestly i mean honestly dude this the gig i'm doing right now is probably the highest paid i've ever been on a gig ever you know what I mean? But right before I was doing this, I was doing trash talk and we were riding a van and we were punk rocking it out. Like, right. I don't give a fuck. Like, I've been on tours that are hella, hella balling in private planes. And I've been on tours where we in fucking vans and all the right. gears in the van and we sleeping on top of each other. Dude, you yep. know what I mean? I play with people who were millionaires and we slept on top of each other. And I play with people who were, bro- were broke as shit in a tour bus. So it, it's all relative. Like, for me, for me, I don't give a fuck. Like, if I like the music and I feel like it's challenging, most times I'm on it. You know what I mean? Like, right. if I ain't got nothing to do, like, if I got something to do and and I told someone I'm going to do it and it's higher paying, that's different. Or if two people hit me up for the same amount of time, that's different, you know, right, depending right. on what's going on. But if it's just, you know, let's do it for money, half the time, half the time, you know, I don't, I don't really get, I don't really get those calls. I don't get... I don't usually get the this is for money call. Right. Like I get I get this is this is going to be a you know, you're getting, you know, like dude, trash talk for me was amazing. It was amazing because I just love the energy of those dudes. Like, you know, everybody around the situation was hella fun and we fucking partied and it was just like a fun ass time. Right. You know what I mean? Like I could have I could have died on that tour and been fine with it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I've been fucking, I've been on tour where people were making a shitload of money and I, and I, if I died on the tour, I'd have been mad as fuck. Right. If I'd have got Rick <laughs> Allen on the tour, I'd have been mad as shit. You know what I right. mean? Right. So I think, I think if you're doing it for money, that, that's the problem. Right. Because right. I, you know, I, I feel like that's the biggest issue because, and that's what's making people least creative. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even in hip hop, yo, you know, I the other night I deleted my whole playlist on Spotify and 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 just added all the rappers that everybody talk about. Why? And I why? Because I wanted to hear what all these people were talking about. I want to hear the hype. I keep hearing about Casey Veggies. I want to hear it. So I so I'm listening to Casey. I'm like, oh, I get it. You know, this dude got a lot of similarities to old hip hop. Plus, you know, he got a California thing. Like, I fuck with that. Mm-hmm. And then I was listening to, you know, Young Chop from Chicago. And I was like, I fuck with him. I see why people like his stuff. You know, his music is dope. And then you listen to other people and you don't get it. You know what I mean? And I right. like the majority of the guys I was listening to was garbage. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, this shit is garbage. But it was like, this is what people are listening to. But I had to know that. And I know I can see what's happening. People are spending less less time and less energy on creating because of money. People right. be like, "Yo, why do I need a drummer when I can play all the drummer on tune on tune track?" Right. And right, then right, you right. listen to it and it's flat. Yeah, it sounds like and crap. You, and you listen to metal right now and metal's flat. Listen to metal right now. Metal is fucking needs an overhaul. Right. You got you got Skrillex basically making metal on a goddamn laptop. So it's making it hard 
for metal people to be different because dubstep and, and new metal are the same thing. Yeah. So right now it's like people are are not. I mean, music is weird because it goes through the cycles that you get tired of some shit and then it changes a little bit and then you get tired of it and then it changes. But for the most part, people are getting less creative because of money. People don't want to hire people. They don't. They mix that home. I don't want to go to a studio. I could do it at home. I don't want to go pay a studio. I could. So it makes things a lot more stale. And I think in a lot of levels, money usually makes creative shit stale. Sure. sure. So it's like if it's about creativity, you know, I mean, then I mean, then the money talk should just cease. But if it's about money, then let it be about money. Right. So if you want to play for money, go play for money. Sometimes you might have to play for money for a couple of weeks and then go back to your creative shit. It might mm-hmm. fund your creative shit. But I just say, like, you know, don't ever stop being creative because the moment you play music for money and only money, you might as well work at a goddamn gas station because it don't feel no better. Right. Right. I I totally agree with that, man. I 100 percent agree with that. So what do you, what's what's the future look like for you? What are you uh, what are you trying to uh, what are you trying to do or what 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 do you have on on tap? Um, right now, um, I'm about to finish this tour in May with this dude. Um, um, and then after that, I'm coming home and I'm about to try to I'm trying to build a studio here. And um, I'm recording a record with Thomas Erak, the guitar player from Fall of Troy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of my good friends. And we've been like we're past due on doing something. So we got both a break, so we're going to record. And then I hope this goddamn Giraffe Tongue Orchestra thing comes out. Um, they, I think it's mixed already. But um, So I did a record with Brent um, from Mastodon and Ben Wyman from Dillinger and Juliet Lewis. And this dude, Peter Griffin, who is not the cartoon. He's the bass player. <laughs> and um, he's um, it's, a, it's a dope record. I haven't heard the whole thing in entirety, but... I want to, I want the record to come out so we can at least try to play, you know, a LA showcase or some shit. Right. Um, and then, so that's going on. This, this dude, this dude in Europe has took a lot of my time because I knew about this since summer. Mm. So it's been like, I know I can't, I couldn't do much. And right, then right. I'm, I'm not doing trash talk right now. Thundercat, Justin's doing Thundercat. Um, I kind of, um, I kind of had to pass the torch to some, some friends. Um, I want to, I love playing. That's one of my best friends. Um, it's just sometimes I, I gotta like, I gotta keep doing other projects. I get bored. I get bored if I do the same style of music all the time. Right. Right. Like I'll just be like, I'm, I'm, I need like, I'll, I'll crave like, like food. I'll crave, like I need a mosh pit. I need a fucking mosh pit. And then, <laughs> or like, you know, or the opposite, you know, I, I just want to play jazz. You know, I, right. I go through little weird phases, but, right. um, so I'm not doing that, but I would like to go back and do some recording with him in Flylo. And right now I'm just I'm just chilling, dude. I don't really I know I just I really want to do this Iraq record. I'm really excited about that, and I kind of just want to put all my muster into that. Yeah, that makes sense. Because um, I mean, this dude's such a badass guitar player, and like um, I got a whole lot of shit to play. <laughs> like I got so much shit to play, dude. I've been like. You know, the thing that was cool about the Mars Volta is that it was like it it was I was learning how to um, I was learning how to make certain things that I play by myself um, listenable. Right. You know, what I mean, I was learning how to put certain things in a song. I was learning how to formulate parts right. out of my ideas, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when the memorials thing was, it was just me expanding on that, expanding on how to write songs around 
my crazy ideas or coming up with ideas in the midst of my boy's guitar riffs. And like, you know, so it was, it was cool. So I think this one is going to be real cool because, you know, I don't really know what it's going to be. Right. But I just know he's like such a good ass guitar player. Right. 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 And it's a trio. So, um, it, you'll like, you'll hear a lot, you know, I was going to say, it's a lot more, you get a lot more exposed in a trio. A lot more I love room. It. Hell yeah. It's a lot more room. And so I'm, I'm hella juiced about that. And, so um, I got, I got to ask yeah. because there's so many, I, I think people would kill me if I didn't ask what happened yeah. with the, with Mars Volta. Yeah. I mean, it was just the Mars Volta thing was like, dude, I was the youngest out of all of them and I was raging mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they didn't really, we didn't really have a clear understanding. Dude, none of these people, like when you talk to musicians and you be like trying to have a one-on-one about what's going on, they never want to have it. And right. what I'm talking about is money. I'm talking about how, you know, their idea of what's next, the idea of what they want to sound like, the idea of life. They they really, they rarely know it because, I mean, it's art. So most art artists are fucking out of their mind. So, you know, a lot of times, a lot of things aren't said. You know, like you're like, you know, you're a lot of things that should be said, things that would piss you off, you know, if they were brought into light aren't said. So, you know, we didn't our business shit was all crazy. You know, we just won a Grammy. I was upset about, you know, the deal that I had. And then um, I was upset about like doing all kind of shit on the record and not getting proper credit. Mm -hmm. And then they was upset with me because I was fucking partying. You know, basically, I I got faded as fuck, and I you know I was partying hard as shit, and then I fucking I was drunk and I was sleepwalking apparently from I don't know. They said I was sleepwalking and I pissed in the the aisle of the tour bus, right? <laughs> and so so then that was it. Apparently, apparently I was just like the worst person in the world, yo. So, but what's what's hella funny about it is that like you know to think about all the shit that they've done. And the shit that everybody does on tour and crazy shit that has happened in rock bands, it was real small. And it was blown up out of control because I was mad already at Cedric jumping on my fucking drums and throwing my shit in the crowd and not being cool with me. Like he was right. he was like he was he was like mad at me, you know, for like, you know, it would be like he doesn't want people to smoke blunts in the bus. And so I wouldn't I would stop smoking blunts in the bus. And someone else will be smoking and I walk in and I hit the blunt because someone else was smoking. And then he sees me smoking and he's mad. And so he doesn't want to talk to me. Right, right, right. And so, but then he throws my fucking drums off the fucking stage. <laughs> but he wow. won't talk to me. That'd be enough to piss me off. Yeah, it was shit like that. And then it was like, it was like petty shit that like any grown ass person who listens to it is like, you guys want a Grammy had all those bomb ass shows and videos and all this shit. And then you fuck it up. Cause of that that's dumb. Yeah. Uh, like, man, this I, is all shit. Yeah. Dude, my, but my, one of my best friends, uh, I don't know if you know the band, the bloodhound gang. No, I don't know. But them. they they had that. You and me, baby ain't nothing but mammal song years ago. Oh, I like that song, but they, so they've been a band since like 94. Right. Yeah. And I mean, they've like, they just touring and touring and touring, but the same thing. It's like, you know, you're living in a bus with people and tensions get high and like they've gone through multiple, you know, drummers and yeah. guitar players and all that stuff. It just happens, you know, man. Some people, some people like me, like, you know, 
I, I was mad about, you know, other shit, you know. But, like, me, I'm the type of person, like, someone the other day was like, bro, would you go back and play with them if they called you? And I was like, fuck yeah. Because I'm, like, I'm the type of motherfucker, bro, that I can, I don't care about. Like, I honestly don't give a fuck. Like, if we went out and they was like, let's go whoop ass for the rest of our lives, go, I would do it. Right. That's what they are. They like, they like women. It's like they hold to shit like, like, you know, they will hold it and remind you of what you did forever. Right. It's like that. It's like, fuck, dude. Like, I didn't do that much. You guys actually fucked me more than I fucked you because you're still making money off me. Right. <laughs> so, did, did that man, they broke up though, didn't they? They still make money off it. Well, no, no, no. I know that. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't I mean, questioning that. They, they, they're like, they're like, I don't know, man. They do whatever the fuck they do. But I just know, you know, that that's how it, it happened. It was fucking stupid. And, you know, we got into a big, uh, a big thing later. You know what I mean? That had nothing to do with music. But, you know, I feel like, I feel like it was, it was God. You know what I mean? Like, because I could have potentially been in it. Like, dude, that's why I'm saying God's gifts. That he that the, when he says you're gifted, the God the gift that he's giving you is information. Because if I was an idiot, I would have stayed in that band forever, right? Getting robbed, right? I'd have been getting robbed forever, and that's what I'm saying. That's I mean, dude, playing with so many people and working with so many artists. I thank God for Keisha Cole because she used to bring me in her her meetings with Interscope, and I used to you know not only her but my grandmother too. But I used to sit there and really be able to like watch how she did business, like how her label was dealing with her and all this shit and publishing and royalties and all the shit. It seems like you got to be a Mason for a drummer to tell you in a magazine. It's like, you know, I really, I really, I really thank God for that shit. Cause like it helped me, it helped me to know it. Look, recognize that you just won a Grammy and you probably shouldn't make the same amount of money as you made yesterday. And they didn't have a Grammy before you were playing. So you probably won that shit for him. So you probably should check on your money. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> right, right. He's <laughs> like, oh no, man. Well, I appreciate you being honest with me about it. I love it because most people yeah. are like, oh well, I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, and they'll beat around the bush about it. I, I love your, yeah, I love I your honesty, care, though, man. I love it. Yeah, because it's like at the end of the day, bro. Like, I feel like, I mean, I'm I'm such a regular ass person, bro. Like, I don't. I don't know. Like that's what bo- that's what bothered me. I, that's what bothered me the most out of it is I felt like, you know, I, I just feel like people choose. They pick and choose what kind of person they want to be when they feel like being it. Like when they want to be when it's a band. Oh, we are band. You know what I mean? When it's just them, it's just them. It ain't a band. You know what I mean? Like and people, it, it tends to happen when flights are getting picked, when money's getting sorted. And when people are talking about what they did on a record, it's always, it's, it's always, we're not a band, but then when we're on tour and we're broke down outside and they need everybody to help push this goddamn bus out the goddamn ditch, (laughs) everybody's a band member, right? So that's, it's always like that. So, you know, I thank God for experiencing that because it's like, I experienced it early. Like it would have sucked to be right now in my career playing with them forever and then realize that shit at 32 and be like, what the fuck? Right. Just wasted right. 10 years with these crazy people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> shit. <laughs> nice. So how, do, uh, how can people get in touch with you if they want to? Because you teach privately. So if, if, uh, if people um, want to get up with you and, and take lessons from you or learn from you and chat with you, how, how do you suggest they do that? Um, you could hit me up. Um, I got an email. Um, 
Um, when I, I got a, I got a manager too, but I got a personal email that, and people send me shit and I just forward it to my manager. If it's not about lessons, if it's about lessons, I'll write you back. So email me. Um, I'm not going to give you my email over here. You might have to Google or some shit. Like, Fuck, put in some work. Yeah, people is crazy now, man. You could it, motherfucker can have their phone in their hand and they'll ask you for directions to something. Yep. Or people like, email what? you. People email you and ask you a question when you just have to go Google it and figure it out. All the time. Yep. So people want to if if people want to reach out to just uh, email to me, Thomas, man. Email, email me or hit me up on Instagram or some shit. All right, and I'll link up uh, all your information in the show notes for this podcast, so people can check it out and connect with you and and learn more about you and uh, and try to take lessons from you or whatever else they want to do. And how Tom, many people listen to this? Uh, how many people listen to it? About yeah. Well, last month we hit two hundred fifty thousand. God damn it! Did I say some fucked up shit on here? I loved it. It was perfect. Damn it! <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I mean, I'll be saying it's always the same shit, dude. I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like, man, I, I just want drummers to fucking be themselves, man. Like I watch people verbatimly play, like me and Tony and fucking Eric Moore, right? And that is dope that you could do that shit. I think it's dope as fuck. Mm-hmm. Now, 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 do all that shit with your feet, or switch, or do it with your left hand and switch that shit up, or put it on the ride symbol or something, right? Like that's. That's my biggest thing, man. I feel like the more people do that, the, the faster the art form grows. Yeah, find your own voice and and take find the your take, own take voice. the stuff that other people did and then make it yours and 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 you know find your own stuff. Yeah, man. I totally agree, man. Thomas, thank you so much for for taking all the time to chat with me, man. I really do appreciate. it. I know the listeners appreciate it because they've been asking me to get you on for a long time, so I really appreciate it. All good, bro. Be safe, man. Absolutely, man. You do the same. I'll talk to you soon. All right. There you have it, the one and only Thomas Pridgen. You can go to the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 671. And I'd love to hear if you've left a rating or a review for the podcast. I know I talk about it every episode, but it really helps the podcast. It really helps people know that this is a legitimate podcast to listen to. Whether they know that or not, I would imagine if they see 670 episodes, they would think uh, that it's a good one to listen to. But hey, who knows? Uh, and if you do, do me a favor, tag me in it or email it to me so that I can I can personally thank you. I would really appreciate that. And other than that, that's all I got. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon and graphic design by Katherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.